The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Stewardship Through Respect with your host, Holly Wells. The model of being overworked, stressed out, and oblivious to the world around us is no longer viable. We need to become engaged and take an active stand for those issues that are important to us. Get ready to engage and interact with our discussion. Now, here is Holly Wells. Welcome. Welcome to the program. So tonight's guest is very exciting for me. It's actually um, Jonathan Pereira, and he is with Plant Chicago. And the topic of tonight's discussion will be circular economy. And I know I probably say this every week, but this was one of my founding principles of why I really started I Love Nature is just really the waste and everything. So just talking to my or Jonathan before about what he does and finding the efficiencies is really going to be, I think, a fun discussion. So um, before I welcome him on, a little bit about Jonathan. He has over 15 years experience in the science and arts education. He specializes in environmental education and youth development programs in urban areas. He's worked with youth in projects ranging from renewable energy to natural resource conservation. And he most recently served as a youth program manager for Green Corps Chicago, which engaged 1,800 Chicago public students in bike maintenance and horticulture projects across the city. That is quite an initiative. So let's welcome Jonathan. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, we were just talking as we before we came on air that um, here in Chicago we had a beautiful, beautiful pink rosy sunset. Always love to enjoy those when you get them. Um, but tonight's topic is circular economy. For those of us that aren't familiar, can we just start out with a little dis- um, description of what that is? Sure. One of the easiest ways to describe it is by describing what it's not. So the opposite of circular is something uh, a linear economy is really the way most individuals think. Uh, many businesses operate that way as well. We think about resources flowing in one direction. Uh, in the case of individuals, we often think about what we buy, what we eat, uh, and rarely think about um, And the same thing goes for businesses. Businesses often think of the resources they need to make it but rarely think about what happens to that product or the materials after um, they have sold it or it's reached its end of life. So in a but circular One economy, second. Actually, yeah. can you hear me, Jonathan? For a minute there, yeah. you're kind of cutting out. So I, I heard oh. you talk about a circular economy. Your phone was kind of cutting out and that it's the opposite of being a linear economy. And unfortunately, I kind of heard like every other word there. So I know that this is the <laughs> most important part is to get people on board with um, what you're talking about. If you could just back up a minute. I'm not sure what happened because it wasn't doing this when we were speaking before. So um, I think if you just try it again, hopefully that glitch sure. will go away. Absolutely. So, um the linear system is the way most individuals think um, and most businesses operate. So in a linear system, we're thinking of one direction. As individuals, we think about the resources that we want to buy or consume and eat. 
Um, and we don't think about what happens to the, those materials or resources after we're done with them or after we've eaten them. Um, likewise, businesses often think about the product they want to make and the resources that go into making it, but they don't necessarily think about uh, where it goes after they've made it, sold it, or it's reached its end of life. So, and the effect of that is you have linear systems where all the arrows point to landfills or they don't go somewhere that um, they can be recaptured, um, such as uh, the ocean or rivers. Um, In a circular economy, you keep those nutrients and materials flowing through the economy. So... um, in the case of the food system, uh, you keep nutrients uh, like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, uh, all the um, other nutrients that are in there flowing through the system and uh, being recaptured and not sending, send, sending them away down into rivers and oceans, um, but actually having them flow through. Uh, on the other side of that, you can have um, durable goods where there are these things, you know, like technical nutrients. Um, the metals and other, you know, things like that, uh, recapturing those and repurposing them, giving them the new life. Uh, the, 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 the key thing we're talking about is the long-term survival of humanity. Um, we live in a world of finite resources, but are consuming at a pace that uh, assumes that there's infinite amounts of, of materials to use. We can argue about when those materials will run out, such as fossil fuels. We can argue about when we'll run out of phosphate rock for for fertilizer. But what we can't dispute is that they will run out someday. Um, And so we need to be prepared for that when that does happen. Fantastic. And I know the plant actually is a great example of many aspects of circular economy. And there's a couple actually that I'm familiar with directly, but could you give us a couple examples just to help reinforce that while we're talking about it, learning about this? Sure. So the plant itself is a name of a project, the building on the southwest side of the Chicago. It is a former meatpacking facility that's being repurposed into a net zero collaborative community of food businesses. Right now there's over a dozen profit food businesses in the building, including a bread company, a beer company, coffee roaster, various greens operations, mushrooms, um, kombucha, uh, cheesemonger, ice company, a spice company, uh, and more, some outdoor, more traditional ground farming operations as well. But the building itself was really thought of as its own closed-loop system. So the, the, the owner of the building, Jeff Nagel, purchased it in 2010 with the idea of creating this, this closed system and, and a vertical farm. Um, it's since evolved into a really unique, collaborative, supportive community of, of a variety of different food businesses, but what hasn't changed is the idea of making it a closed loop, overall closed loop system. So right now there's a halfway completed anaerobic digester. And the the basic idea behind an anaerobic digester is that it can take organic waste, turn it into a fuel source, like having a combustible biogas that has uh, methane in it, and then use that to either offset natural gas use in the building or use it, burn it to, to power a combined heat and power system. 
to offset other fossil fuel use that's, that's being used to produce electricity. And was this something homegrown that you created yourself, or is this something you can purchase as a kit? Is it? I've never heard of that word before. <laughs> well, no. Not <laughs> so anaerobic digestion technology, is not, it's not a new technology, um, and it actually has pretty widespread application, especially in countries like Germany. Uh, even in the United States right now, there's over 2,000 of them being used. But overwhelmingly, they're being used by municipalities to deal with solid waste. Um, and dairy farms throughout the country to deal with uh, a lot of, um, you know, literal piles of crap coming from mm-hmm. their, uh, from their, uh, from the, from the cows and, uh, and then pigs and horses. What is new about this is that it's in an application in an urban environment and that it would be an, ultimately an aggregator of food waste from, many different sources on the south side of Chicago. So essentially it would be a, a very specific type of landfill and a small power plant. Now it's not something you asked about the cost, if anybody can go pick it up. Anaerobic digesters at this <laughs> scale, this is uh, that digester is scaled to take 16 tons of food waste a day um, and is several million dollars. So your average person is not going to install one of these in the back of their house. No. Um, but there are places in the world, and um, I'd say when we talk about developing countries where natural gas prices are pretty high, where there are household-sized systems mm. that are taking organic waste and turning that into biogas. Um, there's certain market challenges with that in the U.S. right now. Uh, a lot of that has to do with very cheap natural gas prices, um, which also uh, impacts um, the ability to do projects like this and, and it ultimately impedes um, investment in, in renewable technology all over the place. So, Great. And I know on site that you've actually, one of your interns actually helped you really kind of tinker around with what you call that bio brick formula. <laughs> yeah. So within the building itself, I mean, I just talked about the macro level at the facility skill. Yeah. One thing that Plant Chicago is doing, we're actually, the interesting thing here is Plant Chicago, we're a nonprofit housed in the plant. We're really the primary partner in, in helping this product to succeed. Um, if you think about the for-profit partner is, is building the infrastructure for this, uh, the, the building to succeed and the, the, the tenants in the building to succeed. Plant Chicago is really focused on building a community and, and inspiring others to action um, and educating as well. So one of the programs Okay. I actually missed the name of the program. Yep, you were cutting out. Um, you said yeah, one of the programs and I missed the name, sorry. <laughs> sure. Is actually doing technology demonstration and research. So seeing how we can close voice loops between businesses and the building. When we think about circular economies, it requires that businesses work together to share their, their outputs and use those outputs in process. So one great example, the one of the largest materials that you can find outside of the spent grain brewery. It produces about two thousand grain can go a lot of different places. It can be used to feed livestock, it can be used to make compost, it could be fed into an anaerobic digester, but it also could be used to grow mushrooms. Um and you can use it right now. What we're experimenting with is making combustible biobricks, as you said. Um, 
mixing it with coffee chaff to make a little brick uh, that can be used in the wood-fired oven that the bakery is using. So it's looking again at how we outputs from one industry to be an input for another. Perfect. We are having a little bit of technical issues with your phone here, Jonathan, and I heard most of what you were talking about, but I actually already knew about the BioBricks, um, what you're kind of putting together um, from the different um, other community uh, f- items in your the plant to kind of, again, create these efficiencies within your closed-loop system, but I don't know if the listeners got a full break of that because there's kind of phone cutting out, so I think if we could go to a break real quick and then we just kind of test... Um, what we're hearing on our side that might help. So um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with Jonathan and talk more about circular economy. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This program is sponsored by ilovenature.com. Do you love sustainability? Do you love getting to the point? Sustainability is thoughtful, planned utilization of the Earth's resources for the betterment of humanity. Sustainability awareness is crucial to the Earth and to humanity's continued long-term existence. We all need to participate. This is a global issue that impacts each of us locally. Visit ilovenature.com. Respect yourself, the Earth, and humanity. That's E-Y-E, lovenature.com. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I Love Nature supports sustainability, and that begins with self-love and self-care. Take a moment and ask yourself, do you often feel your batteries need to be recharged? Do you regularly wish for more time in the day to tackle everything on your to-do list? Are you continually delaying personal vacation planning? It's time to reclaim your life's purpose. Break out of your rut. Visit ilovenature.com. Get out and enjoy nature and some physical exercise. That's E-Y-E, lovenature.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Stewardship Through Respect with Holly Wells. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to respect at ilovenature.com. That's respect at eyelovenature.com. Now back to this week's program.
All right. Welcome back, Jonathan. We had him call in on a landline. We love your old building and what it does, but it does play havoc with our cellular infrastructure. So thank you for calling in. And again, not to belabor the point, but I think it was a really, really important one, what we were talking about before the break. Just um, the example that you gave us of circular economy, you were getting into the specifics of uh, some of the bio bricks. And I know we could hear part of it, but um, just before we move on to a new topic, could we just wrap up that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, so one critical, another critical component of developing circular economies is that businesses work together to share their outputs. So there's lots of examples of businesses that have outputs, um, what some people might call waste. Um, we call that an output from their industry that can be repurposed as an input for another. So a really great example is spent brewer's grains. There's a lot of different potential uses for that um, as inputs for other ones. So at a very basic level, you can use spent grain to feed livestock. You can use spent grain to make compost. You can even use it in in a bakery to um, use spent grain and bake it into bread. We have experimented with using it to grow mushrooms on site um, and also are currently using it to... Uh, part, as part of a recipe to make biobricks, combustible biobricks to be used in the bakeries, wood-fired oven as a way of offsetting the need to import any, any wood from off-site. So it's just another example of an output from one industry being you know, used as an input for another and thus reducing the amount of material that leaves the site or has to be imported from off-site. I love it. I love it. And um, another thing that is really fantastic about the plant, and you guys have um, really moved into, well, you've been doing farmer's markets, but for the last two years now, you've said you're doing them year-round, and it's you guys really have more of a, a quite a diverse offering with what you have housed in the plant, if you want to give us a little bit of information of how yeah, often absolutely. those are. We yeah, Probably have one of the more unique farmer's markets around. It is a year-round farmer's market, um, and it does feature a lot of the products that are grown or produced inside the building. So that includes certainly the, the um, wood-fired oven bread um, from Pleasant House Bakery, but there's also honey that is um, made from bees on site and on the south and west sides of Chicago. You can find greens there as well. Um, some of the only products that um, year-round that you can find in January and February that are grown on site um, but then there's also vendors and, and local farmers as well from the surrounding Chicago communities. Um, so it really is a mixture of folks from inside the building and, and outside of the building as well. I'd say the truly unique thing right now is that we are doing it in partnership with Weiner Brewery. They've just opened a tasting room. So our farmer's market, um, part of it takes place in their tasting room. So it is really one of the few farmer's markets you can come to and, and, and get a beer with your beets. <laughs> I like it. Something for everyone. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, again, I know that recently you were part of the first annual food summit, Food Tank Chicago Summit. And actually, I was reading through it. I didn't get time to listen to any of it live. I was busy this week, but I'm going to go back and uh, listen to some of that. So what was it like being part of that program? I mean, that's really exciting. It was the first annual one. Hopefully there will be many more to come. Uh, yeah, you know, it's... Um I think the panel I was on was focusing on unlikely alliances in the food system and just the nature of our our mission uh, to develop circular economies requires that we have a lot of unlikely alliances. Um, Looking for these connections where, you know, 
maybe people haven't seen them before or haven't had a chance to really explore. So um, this is the fact that we share this building with 12 other businesses and uh, a for-profit entity that, that is you know, developing the infrastructure around it. There, and, and then also partner with a host of community organizations that don't have any sort of explicit mission connected to sustainability or um, certainly not a circular economy. Just, it, you know, we, we are operating in many different spheres here and creating a lot of different alliances. Um, and, and really, when you think about it, we're not limited to food. We can't. Circular economies are much bigger than that. We're dealing with all the materials and resources that we consume. So we have to draw connections between food and energy and water. I mean, realistically, they're all part of the same system, and they are all really at its very core level. Food is energy. Um, and if we're not making those connections in our system, then we're really um, we're, <laughs> we're not doing a we're not going to be very effective in solving our problems if we're just thinking about food as its own own set has it its own set of problems. Sure. Um, what would you say to someone who's very interested in this but isn't really sure how to get um, started? Like, what got you intrigued, and how did you first get in, into circular economy? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, that, that that's a funny question because I probably got into it because the the nonprofit existed. I mean, I. I have been, you know, mulling about a lot of this, these, these issues when we think about, particularly when we think about resource consumption and uh, the fact that we only have a finite amount of resources on the earth. I've been thinking about that for a long time, um, probably not under the name of circular economy, however. Um, circular economy is still a relatively new term. We've probably heard very similar things um, People have talked about cradle-to-cradle or the blue economy or um, industrial symbiosis, and all of these are related, but really what is at the the crux of a circular economy is thinking about decoupling infinite resource consumption from economic growth. How do we keep growing an economy without infinitely consuming? you know, the best natural resource is the one that's already been extracted from the earth, and we're going to run out at some point. So I can't say there's a particular point in time where I was like, aha. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. And, and yeah. for probably the, the chief proponents where the, this real push for to build a circular economy is coming from thought leaders from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation in England. Um, they are really looking at it at a, on a macro level scale and working with big businesses. But we're looking at it as so what does a circular economy look like at a local level? Um, working with small businesses, how do you develop these systems both at the macro and the micro level? So it's really approaching it um, the same problem but at a different scale. Yes, I love it. And I do know the topic that is very important to you, and it seems to kind of be tail spinning into what we were just talking about here, which is food waste. And that's a term, again, I know I hear a lot about, but it could be I'm seeking out sources that speak about this. But could we talk a little bit about it and then maybe some ideas of how we can each address and not contribute to food waste? So, yeah, close to 40% of the food that's grown for human consumption in the United States um, goes to landfills and never gets used and never gets consumed or used in a meaningful way. The biggest wasters um, uh, are us consumers and in um, grocery stores, restaurants, 
Um, so that is actually where, it, you know, it's one of the rare cases where individuals can have some of the biggest impacts on the system. Only buy what you need, those perishables. I mean, um, we really, uh, we, we have the privilege of being able to buy, many of us have the privilege of being able to buy food and not um, get around to eating it. Uh, I know that's not the case around the entire country, but really um, only buying what you need. Uh, and sometimes that means shopping more frequently, doing more trips to the grocery store, but buying less each time, especially if you're buying perishable items like fruits and vegetables or even bread for that matter. And then sure. also going to restaurants where they don't serve you a giant portion that goes into the garbage after you have only eaten half of it. Um, or, you know, if you run a restaurant, serving portion sizes that are healthier in the first place. Um, certainly, or serving it in a way that people feel satiated. So, you know, a lot of restaurants are built on this idea of serving a lot of people very quickly a large amount and leaving them um, feeling really full and getting them out of there as quick as possible. You start to find more restaurants that um, maybe uh, survive on a slower pace of the meal where they're serving you multiple courses over the course of time. And, you know, if you really understand physiology, you know, that's how our bodies work. We, We start feeling full if we give ourselves. We don't actually need to eat as much if we have more time to eat it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's these practices in our lives that really can help eliminate food waste in the first, you know, at a very tangible level. Now, we're never going to eliminate it completely. So, you know, the the next step when there is food that doesn't get eaten but is still edible is to make sure that can actually go to a food depository. Um, grocery stores, most of them are not doing enough in this. I mean, grocery stores, many of them have awful records in this. this on this side, they're throwing away tons of food that is perfectly good to eat because of the false assumption that um, they could get sued if, something, if someone gets sick off, sick off of it. That is absolutely not the case. So grocery stores can do more, um, but even then, there's going to be food that goes bad and it's no longer edible. And the question is, what do you do with that after that? The single next best thing to do is actually to feed it into something like an anaerobic digester where you're simultaneously making it into compost, but also getting a biogas off of it that can be used as a renewable fuel source to offset fossil fuels. Fantastic. I love it. It's very circular. Starts by eating healthy, going to the store more often. I love that. And yeah, just less waste. So consuming less to begin with, eating healthier when you eat it, and then um, discarding what you don't use in a better way. Fantastic. Um, I know uh, there's a lot of education to the side of the plant, and there's um, different programs offered there. You do things through schools. You offer a lot of tours. Let's talk a little bit about the tours you offer there. Sure. So we, we do a lot, a lot of tours of the facility for the, both the general public, um, for schools and, and other groups as well. We use that as a platform to really introduce a lot of people to the circular economy, this idea, and how it can be put into practice. And we're operating in a primarily a food space, but we're also, we, we use it as a platform to discuss these connections in terms of food and energy and, and water as well. 
Um, we also do for schools, we do hands-on workshops that get into systems thinking around food and energy as well. So we usually couple that in tandem with a tour of the facility. This year we're partnering with three local elementary schools to do workshops throughout the year. One, you know, one challenge when we're dealing with science education or environmental education in general is that you get groups, you get school groups that get introduced to a topic maybe for a day or they go visit someone really, really neat and they get really inspired. But because they only had one point of impact or a single, a single visit, it sort of remains in this area where people start thinking of it, well, that was really cool, but that doesn't have any real impact on my life or what I do. That's what those people do over there. It's only through this sort of sustained work with young people over the course of a long period of time where you really start thinking about these systems and taking ownership and having agency to start making change in your own life. At the same time, you know, as we work with the local community, we're learning from them. It's a two-way street. Um, and the, learning is, only, is, is just facilitated over time and being able to get to know people. Um, it becomes really hard when, when you're just doing it for, for an hour, right? Um, right? Lectures are actually really ineffective ways to convey information, but historically that's how it's been done. Um, and that's what we're used to doing. Let's sure. go listen to an expert, and, and uh, maybe that knowledge will enter into our heads and we'll be just as smart as them. Uh, <laughs> actually, when you look at the way people learn, that's, that's a really, most people don't learn very well that way. Correct, correct. Hands-on is always, always helpful. So um, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we will um, talk about uh, other programs that you offer and a little bit more with Jonathan from Plant sure. Chicago. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. I Love Nature supports sustainability, and that begins with self-love and self-care. Take a moment and ask yourself, do you often feel your batteries need to be recharged? Do you regularly wish for more time in the day to tackle everything on your to-do list? Are you continually delaying personal vacation planning? It's time to reclaim your life's purpose. Break out of your rut. Visit ilovenature.com. Get out and enjoy nature and some physical exercise. That's eyelovenature.com. Tune in to Happy and Healthy Living with Darlene Godwin to better understand the why on how you feel and find the right therapies, treatments, and programs to bring healing to the mind, body, and spirit. You can live a better life at any age. It's not just a temporary fix. Rather, it's a permanent, healthy lifestyle. Happy and Healthy Living with Darlene Godwin is broadcast live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This program is sponsored by ilovenature.com. Do you love sustainability? Do you love getting to the point? Sustainability is thoughtful, planned utilization of the Earth's resources for the betterment of humanity. Sustainability awareness is crucial to the Earth and to humanity's continued long-term existence. We all need to participate. This is a global issue that impacts each of us locally. Visit ilovenature.com. Respect yourself, the Earth, and humanity. That's E-Y-E, lovenature.com. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to Stewardship Through Respect with Holly Wells. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to respect at ilovenature.com. That's respect at eyelovenature.com. Now back to this week's program. All right, welcome back. We're talking uh, to Jonathan about circular economy, and he was talking to us about the plant in Chicago here and with some of the programs that they offer. They offer tours on site, but I know that you also have programs where you will go to schools and you have sessions there. You want to talk about that and how schools can um, organize you to come out and visit them? Sure, we do. We do visit schools. We do prefer, though, that actually most people come to us. Um, I think it's, uh, we've just found it's, People get a they lot more see excited it. when they're able yeah. to come here and, and mm-hmm. do things, and, and it's just more efficient use of our, our time as well. Um, but we do visit um, other schools, and we've often visited uh, universities or do um, public speaking and, and talk about this issue, especially if we're going to be addressing large crowds of people, like 100 or 200 people, um, the size of an audience. We can't really accommodate here to do a workshop. Um, yeah, so, but, uh, the, so the workshops that we do do here, um, we also offer, for the general public, we do more technical workshops. We have an aquaponics series that we offer every spring and fall um, that um, does an introductory level um, course to aquaponics, which is the combination of growing fish and plants together in one system. Uh, and that involves a design class, a uh, plumbing and lighting class, and also a, a build class where the, the group of uh, participants actually get a chance to build a system and get a design that they can reuse, uh, they can use to go home with them and design and build their own system into the, the spot that they're looking to, to put one. Love it. Love it. And so we were talking on the break really about, again, getting involved in just the concept of circular economy and really how can small businesses really unite and start this discussion. So mm-hmm. I know for, um, well, go ahead. Let's hear your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. So I know we've, we talked a little bit about collaborating versus competition. Um, I, I do think there is a value to competition, but we've overemphasized that in our society as if competition can solve everything. Um, and we tend to bring up examples of products, right? The best product is the one that's going to survive and then ultimately benefit the consumer. And I, I think that's, that's a bit of a myth that um, needs to be busted. Uh, certainly bad products or bad poorly run companies will not survive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't a good product that doesn't survive because um, it hasn't, um, they didn't run the business well. Uh, but if you think about small businesses cooperating together, small businesses already are really, they're at a disadvantage. Um, you have, your, your profit margins are small, especially if you're a food business. Food is a, a you're reducing your profit margins even more. Um, so there is a real need for small businesses to be able to work together. And the revolutionary thing about the plants is that these businesses are co-located together, and co-location helps facilitate these connections. So it, you stop moving. You know, it's no longer like 
the developer that has to do everything, or even Plant Chicago for that matter. Businesses start working together in very tangible ways. They start sharing resources. They can order supplies together. Um, Plant Chicago, we share our tools amongst uh, several businesses in the building as well so that there's a, a real community feel. Again, that's another principle of circular economies is that you start moving away from individual ownership of goods and moving towards more of a service economy so that, you know, every individual does not need to own a car. We don't need as many cars as we have on the roads right now. More people can be renting cars or using a car service or even, I mean, bikes for that matter. You know, um, I love owning my own bike, but uh, ultimately, like, having shared bike service is really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. So the more we can have goods that are less individual ownership and moving towards a a service-based economy or shared resources, that's another critical component of, of, of having a circular economy. Perfect. And um, I know, actually, I was reading through some of the notes from the Food Tank Summit, although I wasn't able to, as I mentioned, catch any of it live. I did see that they had asked, uh, one of the questions was asking you about a food hero, and you said that for you it was your mother. Could you just describe a little bit more of your answer there? It was really, I thought, I found it nice. It explains your uh, outlook so well to me. Well, every person has a very, um, we have very personal relationships with our food. And that, um, I, I, I think for most of us, that, that comes from our families, right? What we were fed as we were growing up and how our families treated the process of growing food or buying food and preparing that food. So, yes, I mean, I was definitely impacted um, growing up uh, by the way I, I was served food in my household. And, you know, my, my mother prepared all, all of the meals, um, and prepared it in a way where it was a well-balanced, you know, diet. Um, there were certain expectations about what we eat and uh, also included me in the process of, of cooking or especially baking a lot uh, growing up. So, it, you know, once this is, I mean, this is really important, a really important part of education and what every child should be going through. They're, every child should be learning how to cook. Um, it's, really important that human beings understand how food is prepared, where it comes from. I mean, this is like, this is like a basic part of, of our life on this earth. We need to understand how our own life is sustained, and um, it is sustained through the, the life of other you know, creatures on this earth, whether it's plants or animals um, or you know, even decomposers. And, and, and you learn that in a very tangible way through cooking. I also say it makes children much more likely to eat something if they've made it. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> you can get away. My son just the other day said his second favorite food is guacamole, and that's because he made it. Mm-hmm. Um, he hated it before that. If I just served it to him, he could not stand guacamole. Um, and now, he's, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow, but, you know, <laughs> at least for one day he claimed it was his second favorite food. Um, I think that's true. Change, yeah. 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 Changing in perception is fantastic. And mm-hmm. kind of along that line, you're having a lot of really fantastic discussions with so many levels of the food chain. Um, mm-hmm. What are some very promising discussions you kind of see taking off that might be starting to be something we'll hear about that we could try to you know, get involved in? Oh, 
restaurants are and chefs are really driving a big shift in I think our, in our food system and how we consume food. There's so many amazing chefs now that are committed to buying local and um, using really high quality um, vegetables and just ingredients that uh, and, and even ones that are really thinking about waste as well. So limiting the amount of food waste that, that they actually create um, using every part of the plant. Um, you know, when they have beets, using the beet greens and the stems and every part of the process. So that to me is, is really exciting because then they are also creating a demand for a certain type of product and um, really could you know, be a major driver in terms of reducing food waste but also increasing the quality of and nutrition, nutritional value of the food that we eat. Certainly. So as far as like any kind of resources, again, I love the internet, but is there any kind of um, site or any person in particular that you think is really taking good charge and is exciting you about this that you think, wow, they're just like a great resource for us to, you know, kind of latch onto? About food in general? Well, like the food source and just, you know, reducing waste or even just uh, the circular economy within the food system. I love all of what we're talking about. Um, I'm just not sure if there was somebody that just really sparked your intrigue that you were on the summit with. And you thought, wow, that person. I know that there's always usually a couple people that just, wow, knock my socks off. <laughs> well, okay. So I'll give, I'll give one. We just highlighted a few chefs that we had a harvest dinner this last fall and highlighted a few chefs that were really doing innovative things. Um, one was in-house here, Wesley Urban, the head baker at Pleasant House Bakery. Not only is he making a great product in, in terms of bread and pastries, but really thinking about how many different waste products he can use. So he made a spent grain bread um, from spent grain from the, the Weiner Brewery here on site. He made a jelly out of some kombucha scoby and uh, local honey. Yeah, this, the scoby is the leftover product um, from the kombucha brewing process. And it was actually, it was quite delicious. It was, it was amazing. Then we also highlighted two other chefs, um, you know, Chef James Guerin from the Soho House Chicken Shop, who is um, buying local, um, sourcing his chicken local. And Ileana Reagan, the chef at Elizabeth Restaurant, who creates meals along the lines of what I was saying before, is these unrushed meals, multi-course, where there's a level of thought and consideration put into each dish that makes you as the consumer really think about what type of food you're putting in your body and where that food comes from. So she forages a lot of food um, in terms of flowers and, and, and herbs. A lot of it's made on site and prepared on site in very creative ways. So those three people all acting in very different ways are, are you know, just three examples of chefs that are, are, are really like leading the charge and um, it's great for consumers to know that um, but at the same time not everybody like cares about it so it's you know great that there's <laughs> chefs that are actually doing it um, and I'd say if people do care really figure out the restaurants you go to like start asking them where's this food coming from where you know just where are things being sourced and and getting into conversations around around that type of um, thing is, is it's actually really really great and to do it in a way that's not aggressive yeah. 
Sure. Perfect. Well, we are actually up against our last break of the session, so sure. we will um, take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more Jonathan. And when we come back, I actually would like to, um, we did not discuss, but um, when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about food labeling. And again, just a quick conversation, but that's very confusing to a lot of people. So um, we will be right back after this break with more with Jonathan from Plant Chicago. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This program is sponsored by ilovenature.com. Do you love sustainability? Do you love getting to the point? Sustainability is thoughtful, planned utilization of the Earth's resources for the betterment of humanity. Sustainability awareness is crucial to the Earth and to humanity's continued long-term existence. We all need to participate. This is a global issue that impacts each of us locally. Visit ilovenature.com. Respect yourself, the Earth, and humanity. That's E-Y-E, lovenature.com. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I Love Nature supports sustainability, and that begins with self-love and self-care. Take a moment and ask yourself, do you often feel your batteries need to be recharged? Do you regularly wish for more time in the day to tackle everything on your to-do list? Are you continually delaying personal vacation planning? It's time to reclaim your life's purpose. Break out of your rut. Visit ilovenature.com. Get out and enjoy nature and some physical exercise. That's E-Y-E, lovenature.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Stewardship Through Respect with Holly Wells. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to respect at ilovenature.com. That's respect at eyelovenature.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are back with Jonathan with Plant Chicago, and we're talking about circular economy. And just before the break, I mentioned the idea of labeling, and I always find that the GMO concept that they are are fighting so hard to not label them, I find so interesting because we all know in marketing, marketing, if they were good, they would put it on every label. They'd be so mad we wouldn't let them put it on a label. So anyway, not to get down that truck, but uh, (laughs) clearly I feel passionate about that. But even in the grocery store, you go there and it's just confusing. It's not even like what's on the labels. This is in the fresh produce where I get most of our produce. And I'd have to say, you know, there's a science, there's organic, there's science locally grown. And I know those aren't necessarily um, mutually exclusive or they, they, they don't mean the same thing. So could you help us with um, some of these terms as we're shopping or just in general that you know, we're being thrown at us and what they mean? Great. So <laughs> there's a lot of abuse of labeling. Um, K-tree is one. 
Um, all natural is another one for sure. Um, those are, are terms that can get um, interpreted in a lot of different ways that don't really have any, ultimately have no meaning to the consumer. So those are two things. Even um, you know, free range, uh, you know, it's it's really tough to determine what. I mean, we see here free range, and we think there's a bunch of happy, you know, chickens that are running around outside and have nice little plush apartments at night. We're really, I mean, it could be that could mean that there's a little tiny door to the outside um, and a small little area for a chicken to enter into, but not enough space for that. So. One certification that you know is, meets really high standards and is, is, I think, probably what people look to the most is the USDA organic label. But even that, right now, um, you know, the USDA is considering actually not allowing hydroponic growers to be certified organic because um, they're not growing in soil. So. There is, an, there is a chance that in, you know, some come next year that there will be items, um, and there actually are items already on the shelves that are being grown in a very sustainable way that cannot get the organic certification label um, because they're being grown in, uh, in soilless or growing medium and not, quote-unquote, real soil. Sure, thank and you. And that doesn't mean the product's no good or they're not sure. doing a really good thing for the environment or that it's not healthy. It just, just doesn't meet that organic standard. Do you have any insights of people that are trying to buy seeds? Is there any certain seed companies that you would recommend that are um, more sustainable seed companies that they should look for when they're trying to gain their seeds? I don't think I can uh, plug any single company in that respect. Um, I do know the sort of genetically modified um, debate is, is a very complex one, um, particularly when we talk about what, if you think about what is being genetically modified, I mean, there's a big difference between genetically modifying a plant to be a little bit more drought resistant than adding an insecticide into their genetic code. Um, you know, the drought-resistant one, that insecticide could have big implications on, on the entire ecosystem, on pollinators. And um, if not used, you know, carefully, um, <laughs> it uh, can do really big damage to yes. the ecosystem. Yeah. Fully agree. Um, before, we had talked about the plant. We talked about your farmer's markets and how they are year-round. And as far as people coming, I know they're on-site when they're inside, but when they're not on-site, where are they located and how can people come find your farmer's markets? So our farmer's market is year-round. Um, during the summer, June through September, it is every Saturday at the plant at 1400 West 46th Street in Chicago. Uh, during the October through May, we have it the first Saturday of every month. So the next farmer's market is December Saturday, December 3rd, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And, um, we, yeah, like it is at, located at 1400 West 46th Street. There is bike parking available on site. There is a Divi station just a block away for those who use Divi, the shared bike service. There's also street parking for those using cars. And um, we are not far off of 47th Street bus, bus line for the CTA. 
Perfect. And I know you also have holiday markets. Clearly with the holidays, you'll be having some of those. When are your, um, when are those next few, like the times for those? Do you have them planned out? Uh, yeah, we do have, uh, well, actually we don't, we, we continue the farmer's market the first Saturday of every month. There is a special market this Saturday um, that's taking place in the building, um, Saturday afternoon, that will feature local vendors. Uh, as well, and not as much food, but vendors from Back of the Yards, Little Village, and Pilsen, and that will be taking place here this Saturday, um, and it takes place in conjunction with Weiner Brewery's Tasting Room. Awesome. And again, people can uh, contact you if they want to be a volunteer from the things you've spoken about so far and uh, some of the things some of your interns have done. If I had the time, I would love to take an opportunity. Can they contact you the same thing, just via the plant? Absolutely. So uh, our website is a good place to start, www.plantchicago.org. And then contacting info at plantchicago.org is another way to get involved. In terms of volunteering, there's three real big needs. Our farmer's market, we always need volunteers of just greeting and helping with directions or working with vendors, especially for folks that are bilingual, English-Spanish. Just helping people, native Spanish speakers, navigate the market, is, it can be a very helpful resource, especially since many vendors don't speak Spanish, so it helps vendors and um, customers as well. Our education programs, just having extra hands when we're working with school groups. And then when people want to get a little bit more involved and are really excited, maybe from an engineering or technical side, we do do internships that are three to four months long to work on some sort of project that is connecting waste loops as well. So right now, we mentioned the BioBrick project, which is an intern project, uh, working in conjunction with our support from our staff. And then uh, we have another young man who's working on an aeroponic project, growing greens through um, a nutrient-rich mist and we're experimenting with nutrients that are being harvested from other water sources in the building. Fantastic. Well, I have loved our show. I have loved this discussion. I hope all of you people who are new to Circular Economy feel you have a new topic, a new insight, and just really think about everything that we use. I always think of that. I mean, so many things now, they're basically disposable and they shouldn't be as your point is how many things we put away in landfills etc so i love the idea of the circular economy taking these things which could be considered waste and reusing them so i hope this gives everybody a lot to think about certainly did me and we have about a minute here any parting words of wisdom that you would love to share with our audience jonathan um (laughs) i would say a um real change systemic change has to happen at the local level. I know we put a lot of faith in things happening at the national level or at the federal level. Um, we need that as well. But ultimately, as individuals and, and as small businesses, we are going to be the drivers of this change, um, cities and rural communities alike. And um, I mean, the next, the next four years are going to take people working together and creating real, meaningful, unlikely alliances and systems. So I I guess I would encourage everyone to figure out how to work with people that they don't normally talk to, um, work with, (laughs) or agree with, um, and, and find that common ground. 
Fantastic. I I do love that. I love your insights. This was really great for me. And I think every day that we vote our support and our beliefs with our dollars and our voices. So continue that model, everybody. Go out, spend your money. And like you said, start having conversations with people that you might not know what you have in common. And you might be surprised and find an efficiency or just learn something. So again, talk to people. Don't be afraid of them. Uh, Join the circular economy movement. And we will talk to everyone next week. Thank you again, Jonathan, for being our guest. Thanks a lot. Have a great evening. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to Stewardship Through Respect. Please join your host, Holly Wells, again for another edition next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll have more to talk about next week. Have a good weekend. Thank you.